Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. Let me pray as we, we come to the reading of God's word. Let's bow our heads and pray to Almighty God. Father God in heaven, I do thank you for your word. It is faithful and it is true. It is sufficient for all matters of life and godliness. And this morning, Lord God, it's right that we, your people, pay careful attention to it, that we might be led in your way. Oh, Father, work in our hearts and in our minds by your Spirit that we would understand your word and live it out to your praise and to your glory in this place, we pray. These things in the wonderful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Well, friends, in order to honor God's word, can I ask if you would stand for the reading of God's word? as many as are able. I read to you from Philippians chapter 1, I'm beginning at verse 27. Pay careful attention to the reading of God's word. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had And now here that I still have. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Just so far in the reading of God's word, may God be praised. Amen. Please be seated. Let me start off by making this statement. Local churches sink into disharmony over silly things. Local churches sink into disharmony over silly things. I've been a a PK, a pastor's kid, my whole life, and I've now been a pastor for 12 years. I've witnessed disharmony in local churches just like ours firsthand many times over and over again. Do you want some examples? (laughs) I've sat through a volatile, explosive church meeting where the vote was to decide, and my wife corrected me in the car as we were driving here, decide whether or not to use one ply 
or two-ply toilet paper. I've seen a dispute over whether the worship leader may wear open-toed shoes, sandals, during the worship service. I've read of a church split over whether to build a children's playground in some open area just outside the church or designate that area for a cemetery. I've heard of a heated argument. In fact, I've seen a heated argument over who should have access to the church's printer. A major fight and later a church split because one member hid the church vacuum cleaner from another member. A spat over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. Now, the worship pastor didn't have a beard this morning. <laughs> so it wasn't this church or this service. Uh, an argument over what type of green beans to serve at a church function and what is the right coffee blend to use in the local church. Churches often sink into disharmony over really silly things. And here's the problem with disharmony, friends. Disharmony doesn't glorify God. It fails to put his intrinsic harmony on display. When childish, foolish, selfish, sinful believers love themselves more than God and more than one another, they end up detracting from the gospel witness of the local church that they attend, which brings us to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Look in your own Bibles. It begins the verse by saying so in your ESV. If you're reading from an ESV, if you're reading from the New American Standard Bible, it says therefore, and that actually makes quite a lot of sense as a word. As we approach chapter 2, we need to resolve what the therefore, what the so is therefore. Paul is drawing a conclusion here from an argument which he has been making in chapter 1, verse 27 and following. And so follow with me in your own Bibles, verse 27 of chapter 1. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul is arguing at the beginning of verse 27 that how believers live their lives bears witness to the gospel message that they profess. How you live your life bears witness to the gospel message that you profess. But not only that, if you read on in verse 27, it says, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Here's Paul's argument in a nutshell. He's saying, not only how you live your life bears witness to the gospel message, but how you live your life in harmony with other believers in the local church that God has set you bears witness to the gospel message. 
The question is, bears witness to who? Well, that's answered in the next verse, verse 28. They are a clear sign to opponents. Verse 29 and verse 30 basically flesh out that we're to suffer for Jesus Christ's sake and we're to engage in conflict. And so putting all of those verses together, when we answer the question from chapter 2 verse 1, what is the therefore, therefore, we get this answer. Believers engage in conflict with opponents to the gospel And believers defeat opposition as they live lives bearing witness to Christ, lives lived with other believers in harmony. And so because local church harmony is a gospel witness, because this is such a big deal, the gospel is involved, Paul presents three aspects of local church harmony in chapter 2 from verse 1 to verse 4. I'm going to tell you what the three aspects that he presents from verse 1 to verse 4 right up front so that you know what they are. Number one, he gives harmony's motives in verse 1. Number two, he gives harmony's marks in verse 2. And number three, He gives harmonies means in verse 3 and verse 4. And so we're going to start off with the the motives of harmony. The motives of harmony in verse 1. Let me give you the big picture, the big idea right up front. Harmony with God motivates harmony with men. Harmony with God motivates harmony with men. With men. Read the first few words in verse 1 together with me. If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any encouragement in Christ, well, of course there's encouragement in Christ, right? We whose life is hidden with Christ in God have redemption and forgiveness in Christ by way of example. We experience the peace of God in Christ. We are adopted in Christ. We experience the inseparable love of God in Christ. We are made a new creation in Christ. And we are reconciled and given a ministry of reconciliation through Jesus Christ. The answer to the question, if there is any encouragement in Christ is a resounding yes. There is plenty of encouragement in Christ. But not only that, look at the next few words. If there's any comfort from love, well, of course there's comfort from love. The comfort, or there is comfort from love, because love is a sovereign love. God is love. There's comfort from love because love is a sacrificial love. God shows his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's comfort from love because love is a relentless love. It pursues us. 
For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, the answer to the question, is there any comfort from love, is again a resounding yes. There is lots of comfort from love. If, and this is the next few words uh, in verse 1, if any participation in the Spirit. And again, there is plenty of participation in the Spirit. The word translated here, participation, in our ESV, uh, comes from the word kononia. We could say fellowship in the Spirit. We could say communion in the Spirit. We could say partnership in the Spirit. What is this participation in the Spirit? Friends, the Spirit of God dwells within us. He fellowships with us. He, he canonias with us. And the Spirit of God unites us one with another. He creates the conditions by which our communion is with God and by which our communion is with one another. Which is why Paul's benediction in 2 Corinthians is so beautiful. The, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The answer to the question, if any participation in the Spirit, is again a resounding yes. The third motivation. The fourth motivation is at the end of verse 1. And again, it's harmony with God that motivates harmony with man. It says any affection or sympathy. And again, of course, there is abundant affection and abundant sympathy. Affection here is the strongest Greek word for expressing compassionate love, tender mercy. Affection comes from the gut. It is the compassion that moves a man in the depth of his being. Sympathy is synonymous with pity. Pity aroused by a sight of another's suffering. This is Jesus' love. This is Jesus' mercy. This is Jesus' compassion. This is Jesus' affection. This is Jesus' sympathy language. And we've experienced it. We've experienced it in abundance. And so we read, is there any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, and any affection and sympathy, we stand up and say, yes, there is plenty of these things. And precisely because there is encouragement in Christ and comfort from love and participation in the Spirit and affection or sympathy, we are motivated as believers toward harmony. Because harmony with God, which we experience each and every day of our lives, motivates us to harmony with man. The big picture here that Paul is presenting is that because the local church harmony is a gospel witness, he wants to present three aspects of local church harmony. And the first is this, harmony's motus. The second is harmony's marks, the marks of harmony. What harmony actually look like? It comes in verse 2. 
And the big picture that I want to convey here is that harmony is relational oneness. Harmony is relational oneness. Read the beginning of verse 2 together with me. It says, complete my joy. Complete my joy. Joy is the reoccurring theme in the book of Philippians. Philippians is about believer's joy. Philippians is about Paul's joy. Philippians is about our joy. And here Paul says that whilst he is filled with joy, he wants the Philippian Christians to increase his joy. He wants them to add one more drop of joy. He he wants his cup of joy to overflow. And the question that we ask is how? How can we help Paul rejoice even more? Two, the line that we come to is being of the same mind. Being of the same mind. Now, friends, obviously, we should pursue unity of doctrine. But to be of the same mind here is not so much about doctrine as it is about attitude. It's like when Paul writes to the Romans, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, uh, but associate even with the lowly. Or his prayer for the Roman church, which was, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. To be of same mind here is to agree with one another in the Lord. The second part of verse 2, having the same love. Having the same love. Friends, our opinions will differ from time to time, on a range of things, political things, economic things, health things, how how to respond to the pandemic kind of things. Our opinions will differ from time to time. And yet even in disagreement, you and I are to be united in love. As it's said over and over again, in essentials, there must be unity. In non-essentials, there can be liberty. But in all As the church, the capital C, we need a charity, disharmony, all conflict, all bitterness, all envy, all jealousy, all ambition, all hostility is ultimately born out of a loveless attitude. Jesus Christ says to us, a new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Too often, far too often, humans are like porcupines. The, the collective noun for porcupines is prickle. A prickle of porcupines. You get that, right? Because porcupines have all those prickly things on their backs. A prickle of porcupines. That's kind of what a church is so often like. A prickle of porcupines huddling together in a cold winter's night. And the colder it gets, the more we huddle together for warmth. But the closer that we get to one another, what happens? The more we hurt one another with our sharp quills. Eventually, one will give up and will drift into the night and freeze to death. Don't be a prickle of porcupines, friends. We need to forgive one another. 
Uh, we, we need to forgive one another for the pokes that we receive from one another. And then we need to cuddle together for warmth. No, okay, that's the analogy too far. Uh, we need to love one another. That needs to characterize us because that's what Paul says. He says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord. Full accord. The Greek here is literally fellow souled, soulmates. We're to be soul brothers. We're to be united in heart. We're to avoid all divisions. We're to avoid all strides. We to show the presence of our faith by being united in common cause with one another, even in the midst of our great diversity. Not only that, but we to also have one mind. That's how the verse ends. That's the last mark of harmony. We to have one mind. We to be in oneness with one another. And little wonder, because we are one family, according to God's word. We, are, we have one shepherd, according to God's word. We are sheep of one flock. We have one head, and we have one foundation. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. There is one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and Father over all who is over all and through all and in all. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And so there's little wonder that if we are to bear witness to God's great oneness, that we, brothers and sisters, are to be in full accord one with another. Because local church harmony is a gospel issue. Because our gospel witness is at stake. Paul presents three aspects of local church harmony in chapter 2 from verse 1 to verse 4. And the first was harmony's motives. And the second was harmony's masks. The third point is harmony's means. And it can be found in verse 3 and in verse 4. Read the first part of verse 3 together with me. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. We live in a selfish, narcissistic society. Narcissus was a good-looking young man according to Greek mythology. He had rejected all potential lovers. One day, Narcissus gazed into a pool of water and saw his own reflection. And not realizing that it was merely his own reflection, he felt deeply in love with it. Eventually, he killed himself because he could never truly have the object of his desire. Narcissus is where we get the word narcissism from. We live in a narcissistic Selfish society. Selfish ambition, friends, is a work of the flesh. Conceit is foolish fantasy, vain opinion, error, vain glory, empty glorifying of oneself. Together with selfish ambition, conceit is one of the traits of wicked people in the last days. We live in those last days. 
and God will render to each one according to his works. For those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury awaiting for them. In contrast, the Bible says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But, and here comes the contrast at the end of verse 3. In humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. And when we're talking about harmony's means, the big picture is this. Corporate harmony comes through individual humility. Our corporate harmony the corporate harmony of the people that are gathered here, the corporate harmony of this local church comes through individual humility. Our culture has given birth to a generation who believes the whole world revolves around their perceived rights, their perceived needs, their perceived wants. We are the entitled generation. We count ourselves more significant than others in all things. But in contrast, the Bible says that in humility, we are to count others as more significant than ourselves. The disposition of believers' friends is modesty. The disposition of believers' friends is humbleness. Humility is meekness. It is lowliness. It is the absence of self. Humility is the ultimate death blow to disharmony. It is hard, if not impossible, to be self-ambitious or conceited when you are constantly thinking about others. Corporate harmony comes through individual humility. The means of harmony, which uh, the means that God uses to create harmony in local churches is as his people exercise humility one with another. Verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interests. The word interests here isn't in the original text. It's, it's been supplied It's a catch-all word that the translators have given us in order to make the English uh, make sense. But it's aimed at the circumstances of your individual heart. Let each of you not look only to his own finances. Let each of you look not only to his own home. Let each of you look not only to his own family. Let each of you look not only to his own passions. Let each of you look not only to his own ministry. Let each of you look not only to whatever is your heart's favorite go-to idol. Instead, and by contrast, but also to the interests of others. Now here's the question. How can you practically look to the interests of others? As you consider harmony's means, as you consider this truth that corporate harmony comes through individual humility, how can you exercise humility in this place? You need to catch uh, the one another's of Scripture. You need to put in place and in practice the one another's of God's Word. We need to be devoted to one another. We need to honor one another and live with one another. 
We need to accept one another and wait for one another and have equal concern with one another. We need to serve one another and carry one another's burdens and be patient with one another. We need to bear one another up and be kind to one another and compassionate to one another and submit to one another. We need to consider one another better than ourselves, encourage one another, build one another up, spur one another on, pray for one another. We need to live in harmony with one another. We need to offer hospitality to one another. Friends, 15 times in the New Testament, we need to love one another. Humility looks like something. And it looks like counting others more worthy than ourselves. It looks like serving them in every way. And because the local church harmony is part of the gospel witness, these three aspects of local church harmony are critically important to Paul. He speaks about harmony's motives. He speaks about harmony's marks. He speaks about harmony's means. How now do we apply this text? A commentator, John Frame, has said the following words. In a religion without the gospel, good works either lead to pride or despair. What do you think he means by that? Well, maybe you've been listening to this morning's sermon thinking, I have relationships in my life that are in disharmony. And yes, harmony is good. And if humility is needed to do or to achieve harmony, maybe I will give humility a go. Let me stop you right there. You're setting yourself up for failure. Humility, true humility, the kind of humility that puts God first isn't possible to do in your own strength. You will either fall into pride and self-aggrandizement, or you will fall into pity and self-deprecation, but you will fall. But you do want harmony in your relationships. You want harmony in your local church. Am I telling you that harmony is impossible? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that either. I'm saying that the kind of humility towards others that Paul is speaking about here in Philippians chapter 2 from verse 1 to verse 4 is a humility that flows out of a heart which is already in harmony with God. That's what verse 1 was all about. The fact that our harmony with God motivates our harmony with fellow man. Friends, if the marks of harmony are something that we need to live out in our lives, we need to be in harmony with God first. You need to be right with God before you can be truly right with others. Your sin has affected your relationship with Him. You need to, you must be reconciled to God before you can be reconciled to man. And reconciliation with God is definitely possible because provision has been made in the person of Jesus Christ, his son. Jesus came to this world and he paid the price that your sins deserve. Your selfish sins, your narcissistic sins, your rebellion against God and your opposition to his ways. 
Jesus died and he paid the penalty and that penalty has been accepted because God raised him from the dead. The call on your life is to first put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and receive the free gift of salvation which is on offer. Humility flows out of a life which is in harmony with God, a life which is then empowered by the Holy Spirit of God which dwells in us. If John Frame is right, then in a religion without the gospel, good works either lead to pride or despair, then I would say that this is true too. In a religion with the gospel, good works glorify God. And so now to believers, let me remind you of the prickle of porcupines. Church is often like that. As we come together and as we worship together, and then as we serve together during the week and as we interact with one another, from time to time in the cold of this world, we will prick one another. We will cause one another to be hurt. When those moments occur, friends, remember this. Our collective harmony is part of our collective gospel witness. And your individual humility is key in order to achieve that. We will experience the barbs and the sharp quills of this life. We might argue about two-ply or three-ply toilet paper. We might argue about sandals in the sanctuary, about church printers, about the church vacuum cleaner. We might disagree about beards, about green beans or coffee beans. But remember that our unity, our oneness in Christ is more important than any of these things. The call on us as believers in this church, as members in this church, is to exercise humility because corporate harmony comes through individual humility. And that harmony is local church harmony, is a gospel witness to the praise and to the glory of Jesus Christ. Now one more thing, Friday is coming and then Sunday after that. This Friday We will look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to verse 8. And we will consider the model of humility, Jesus Christ, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself and came in the appearance of a man and died, even a cruel death on a cross. And then on Resurrection Sunday... We will praise Jesus Christ, whose name has been exalted about above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's where this series is going. Can I encourage you to invite your family and your friends to our Easter celebration? that they too might hear the wonder of Jesus Christ, our Savior who died for their sins and who rose from the grave in victory over all things. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, I do want to thank you for your word. It is faithful and true. And upon it, we can rightly build our lives and our testimonies. 
Thank you, Lord God, that you speak to all things, even to church disunity. Thank you, Lord God, that in Christ we have harmony with you. And because of Christ and because of your Holy Spirit within us, we can be humble. We can exercise humility to the praise and to the glory of your name. Help us be a humble people that your church might stand as a city on a hill whose light cannot be hid, that the name of Jesus Christ might be glorified by his people in this place, and that you might receive much praise and glory from us in this life, even as we will praise and glorify you forever in the life to come. Lord God, help us to be a humble people, humble before you, humble toward one another, glorifying your name in all things. This I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. He is our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.